0: Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Rodney E. G'day everyone, welcome to the Footyology Podcast. This is a special grand final review edition as we sum up, uh, go through, analyse, dissect, you name it, we do it, to one of the great grand finals of all time, which has resulted in a thrilling four-point win to Collingwood Football Club, who win their 16th. VFL slash AFL Premiership, bring them equal with great rivals Carlton and Essendon, a monumental uh, football achievement, a monumental game of footy, Uh, can't wait to break it down for you and neither can this man because uh, we've already had a lot of chats about it and no doubt this was one of the great grand finals, big hello to you Mr Roddy Eat. Hi, Rowan. How are you
1: going, mate? Uh, yeah, it was a great grand final, wasn't it? Uh, where there was great, uh, the pre-game entertainment, they they got right, even though it was a blast from the past. Um, and just the closest of scores all day. And uh, I think it proved why they, you know, no, they were the two best sides of the season and uh, now there was a lot of highs, but it was just uh, intrigued the whole game with uh, a lot of pressure, a lot of mistakes at times. Uh, of the same token, um, the intensity of the game was fantastic.
0: And contrast too. I mean, we saw we really saw some free flowing and and in the second quarter, even the first quarter, really uh, free scoring footy. And then the second half, more your typical grand final slog. You had the weather. Uh, good comment on the pregame entertainment. and We make a lot of cultural references on this show, so we should talk. I must say, I was I was sceptical about Kiss, but they. The old the old cod just pulled it off. It was a pretty good performance, I thought. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I thought, it was, and it showed you too that people want a bit of raunch, if that's
1: right. I thought, a bit of bounce and energy. Like I'm a hunters and collectors fan, and that didn't that didn't go at half The the one with Mark Seymour that was that was really horrible. And uh, but it showed you just having a bit of oomph about it. And uh, I thought I thought it you exception. exceptional. Geez, I must have been hot in those suits. <laughs> so they oh shoes, they, and I, that was a real back, wasn't it? The platforms, uh, but they did really
0: well. That was fantastic. I reckon they've got the uh, they've got the outfits down to a, a fine art. They probably uh, helped into them. I'd suggest at the start of each performance yeah. <laughs> these days before they go back to the retirement village. Uh, anyway, who are we to talk? We're not exactly spring chickens, Rocket. Let's be honest. Uh, We've got a game to dissect, and what a game it was. We're going to go through it chronologically, quarter by quarter, all the incidents, all the big moments, uh, get your uh, take on them, Rocket. Let's do it. So, let's start at the beginning, and, uh, well, got a quick comment on this. Not a great beginning for the umpires. Poor old Simon Meredith. He got the big job of the first bounce of the grand final. Must be the highlight of an umpire's year. And it got recalled. I can't remember the last time that happened. I can remember a few grand finals that started with um, free kicks. But I can't remember one with a recall bounce. Someone might pick me up on that. But anyway, uh, I did feel for Simon Merritt. I thought, oh, you poor bucket, You've been waiting all all year for that and it uh, wasn't to be. Anyway, the game got underway. I think Rocket, in those first few minutes, we were probably all thinking, oh, no are Brisbane going to get a bit of stage fright? Because there are a few errors right from the start. I think uh, Eric Hipwood juggled and and fumbled a mark, Uh, a couple of, uh, you know, mishandlings of the footy. And then the first goal of the game, uh, four minutes, 19 seconds in, and uh, two Brisbane players went high on Nick Dacos. That was Ryan Wester and Jared Berry. And Nick Dacos are about 25 metres out, posted the first goal of the game. And then shortly afterwards, in fact, only six minutes in, the Pies had two on the board. And that was a uh, centre-band's clearance, to McCreary. And uh, he, uh, sorry, McCreary got the ball inside the 50 chips sideways to uh, the relatively unattended Bobby Hill. And sorry, that was after a drop mark by Brandon Stasovich who had a rough afternoon. Three fumbles by Brisbane at this stage. Collingwood already two goals up, six minutes in. Inside 50 count at this stage, five zip to the pies. I've got to say, Rocket, I was fearing the worst. Were you?
1: Yeah, I was. And I think I even went back to the first centre bounce that Lockie Neal got his hand on the first ball, went with one hand, spilled out. Um, next one that Rayner fell over uh, as part of that first goal to Daycost. Dunkley as well fumbled, which he normally doesn't do. They just had a real and you mentioned Hipwood and a few other, they had a few real fumbles. They looked a bit nervous. Um Collingwood didn't, didn't. They were they, and they pry on those mistakes. Now they A, force them a lot of times, but B, if they if they do present themselves, they do um and they know they do gobble them up. But but that goal, that second goal to Hill, that was just a surge ball mentality. The ball came out and uh, it was just a handball forward, and Elliott just tapped the ball on into space, just kept the ball kept the ball alive, not trying to pick it up. McCreary picked it up, and it was a very good kick into Hill, who had, obviously had a very good day.
0: I guess uh, our, our feelings along those lines probably deepened a bit further when the, the Lions finally did get it in there. Eric Hipwood uh, took a free kick from the forward pocket and put it out in the full by a fair margin, and you were just thinking, oh, no, here we go. Even then, I was thinking, gee, Brisbane needs a big moment here or something, a bit of brilliance just to sort of restore the equilibrium, give them a bit of confidence. And, uh, well, one man was able to deliver that not just once but twice. Zach Bailey, fantastic. And this started a a chain of incredible goals, didn't it? Brisbane kicked the next three goals to hit the front. The first of them to Bailey, almost 11 minutes in, on the run, about 45 metres out, tightish angle, quite close to the boundary, and he just threw it through the eye of a needle. Uh, that made it two goals to one. Uh, the next goal to the Lions from Lick and McCarthy, and that was a really clean, precise bit of play from the Lions too, wasn't it? Comes out of the middle, uh, nice bit of work from Hibwood, ran onto that ball, dished the handball off to the the running McCarthy, who managed to convert off the ground, and it was uh, Brisbane doing sort of the percentage things there because that followed uh, Devin Robertson hacking that ball off the ground. So Collingwood's lead now back to just two points, two goals each. Uh, Kitty Coleman at this stage uh, already standing out, Rocket with some pretty daring ball use, really determined to go back into the corridor. And then Brisbane hit the front uh, 24 and a half minutes in with One of the goals of the season, Zach Bailey again, terrific smother on Mason Cox. He then regathered or took a handball, uh, balked around Cox again and Nathan Murphy and then threaded from the boundary a right-foot snap. That was certainly one of the great grand final goals. And all of a sudden, Brisbane, three goals to two and four points up. Wow, they really turned it around to their credit Rocket.
1: Yeah, for sure, and your and you thought then at that stage, especially once they got the first goal from Bailey, which is really on the back of great ruck work from they He was able to get his hand, which he does a lot, and that's what Cox and Cameron were trying to nullify his influence in this area, they were able to punch and clear of the, of the inner circle, and Bailey ran onto it on the wrong side for him there, had to, had to turn around and um, kick the ball across his body, which is a great goal. And then his smartness with that smother that he followed his opponent, but not not too close and then the umpires called play on and he snubbed cox and uh dodged down. it was a poor attempt by murphy on his tackle on the boundary line and that was a great goal but you could tell they settled this i think especially from the first goal but once mccarthy got that second goal you now that was game on um and but they were a lot more precise inside 50 common would have had a lot more ball and were probably the dominant side but couldn't take advantage of it.
0: Well, two more things following those goals, which made you think, gee, are the pies now in a bit of trouble? Mason Cox missed a a shot for goal, which he probably should have converted. But then from a structural point of view, you mentioned Nathan Murphy and he a totally accidental collision with Lincoln McCarthy, but McCarthy's shoulder basically got Murphy on the way through and uh, he got to his feet very, very groggy indeed, taken off for a head injury assessment and ruled out of the game uh, in the first quarter. And, you know, gee, Collingwood were already going to be stretched defensively. Then they was one of their key defenders. When that happened, did you think uh, how are they going to hold the Brisbane forwards? Yeah, I did. And I thought there
1: was an option probably to play Frampton down there. I thought, do they go that way? But they held their it pretty well. You know, they played Hoskin Elliott, went down as the taller option because um, Frampton had the job on Andrews and that, and that would have thrown their preparation structure um, awry, I suppose. Um, But uh, no, I thought they handled that pretty well. So they didn't panic. Um, uh, Murphy's been an integral part with Moore. And Moore didn't have a great day, probably obviously went in with injuries as well. And probably uh, had probably the least effect of any player for Collingwood on the day. You know, he just didn't have an impact as such. Uh, But um, I I thought they held up pretty well and they held their structure pretty well once Murphy went off.
0: You feel like more, yeah, I've no doubt he was carrying something, but did, do you feel like also his capacity to offer that rebound and drive for the intercept stuff he does so well was sort of compromised by Murphy going off? He had to sort of, by necessity, play a lot more negatively than he often does?
1: Yeah, probably, and he played a lot of time on Dan Hurley. I thought Dan Hur beat him. I thought Dan Hur was a good player uh, for the day and uh, kick three himself and then set up that one Rachida robertson uh moved up the ground really well so outmarked more at a few times also so he didn't have a great impact uh certainly defensively and and certainly as an set player but uh um i would have thought that it you now with murphy going off gave him gave a chance for him would have an influence and he didn't uh chris fagan through McInerney down there at times uh as well to try and keep some height um there and, and in the air, but uh, Collingwood defensively able to nullify that.
0: Well, Collingwood now needing to find a response, and they did. And typical of Collingwood, uh, a a terrific goal to Brady Myrcheek and great snap from the boundary line. Very cool-headed the way he just threaded it. But following off the back of some really good defensive play, and that was a, uh, and I made a particular note of it at the time, tackle from Oleg Markov on Cam Rayner. And uh, that turned the ball over on the wing. The ball went forward. Mychek managed to find a bit of space on that boundary line and a beautiful curling snap, which put the Magpies back in front. Uh, Jack Crisp on the run, a point, um, had a chance to put him a couple of goals up. But then, and this became a recurring theme, these red time goals to Collingwood, two uh, coming after the siren, the first... Uh, Jordan DeGoey after the quarter-time siren, another clanger from Cam Rayner, who we've got to say didn't have a great game, wobbly sort of clearing kick, ball turned over, ends up with DeGoey and after the siren, and he's a beautiful kick of the footy, Jordan Degoe, absolutely nailed it, flush from just on 50 metres. So at quarter-time, the Pies going to that first change, leading by 10 points, four goals, four to Brisbane, three goals. Great first quarter, Rocket. One of real swings of momentum. The Pies now definitely with the ascendancy.
1: Yeah, and it shows the Pies that they do hang in there. Now they now that Brisbane seen to have their run on. Just going back to Rayner when he got tackled. Yeah. And a, a theme within the AFL clubs now is drive your legs, you know, hand the ball and drive your legs through a tackle, take the tackle off. But there's got to be a balance where quick hands can just set your team up. And Rayner in that situation had two options and he didn't want a handball. He wanted to take the world on. Collingwood's pressure between the Arcs is as good as any team in the competition. Consequently, it costs their team a goal. He just need you now they just needed an awareness, some players in modern free, that quick hands is as good as anything. And it just it just releases your teammate into space. So that that was very poor of him. And as you said, that quick kick uh forward as well. But uh certainly from Collingwood's point of view, and to go he went back. He didn't only have the other two possessions in the first quarter. I thought Dunkley did a really good job on it. Uh, had a kick earlier, then had the kick on the siren, but it was such a vital, vital kick. And he, you know, he drew it, kicked it from probably 55 metres. So, you know, that was a fantastic finish for the quarter for the Pies.
0: I guess the uh, quarter time, one significant stat was how much uh, of a, a territorial advantage the Pies had had. The inside 50s at quarter time were 19 to 7. That was the most pronounced gap between the two sides statistically at that stage. Individually, Nick Dacos, It's hard to believe this guy's not even 21 yet. Uh, Eight disposals, first grand final, just like every other game for young Nick. Eight disposals, cool as a cucumber. Six to Pendlebury, six to Mitchell, five to Sidebottom. So the experienced hands standing up for the pies. And the standout for Brisbane, no doubt, 13 disposals to Kitty Coleman. Seven marks and really, uh, as he was in the preliminary final, a real uh, source of of rebound and drive for the Lions. So he, he's certainly keeping them uh, massively in this contest. All right, that is the first quarter. Uh, what was to unfold in the second? Ah. Let's talk about the second quarter, and it started with a bang to Brisbane. They had a goal on the board within 30 seconds. They won the first centre-bounce clearance free kick to Josh Dunkley. Ball banged forward and uh, Charlie Cameron finding a rare bit of space. Turned onto his left foot and a beautiful, beautiful snap. Uh, Goal to Brisbane with just 30 seconds gone. Collingwood leading by four points. Already Brisbane uh, very efficient with their forward thrust. That goal to Cameron meant that they'd had eight inside 50s for four goals. So pretty good return there. And it was looking even better when they hit the front of the lines again at the 2 minute 13 second mark after a goal to Hugh McLuggage. Um, a great pickup from Charlie Cameron and uh, a little center to McLuggage who converted. He's really improved. his set shot goal kicking it used to be a, an issue for him. Uh, and then we had, uh, well, probably the first... I guess, appearance of, uh, or sorry, second blobbing up of Bobby Hill, who would play a pivotal role in this game. And uh, he was set up by Nick Dacos, took a mark about 40 metres out and converted Collingwood back in front. And then Cameron again, uh, an open goal with Rayner smothering on Markov. So good bit of play to Rayner there. And then an exchange of handballs between Cameron and McCarthy. Cameron found himself in a bit of space and decided to uh, put the afterburners on and burn off Darcy Moore, who made a valiant attempt to stay with him, but he was never going to catch Charlie Cameron streaming into goal. And that was his second for the quarter. Within eight minutes, Brisbane, three points up. Uh, Another smother by Dunkley on Nick Dacos. And that was another uh, key Element two, Brisbane, uh, six to one. The Smothers, only uh, or ten or so minutes into the first quarter. But Collingwood, uh, in, interestingly, still with a territorial advantage there. The inside fifties, twenty-five to fifteen. Still more Brisbane attacking to come. Danaher uh, kicked a goal at the just under the 17 minute mark. Brisbane now leading by a goal. And then McCarthy, uh, a lovely right-foot snap coming after a McLuggage handball, uh, just under 20 minutes on the clock elapsed at this stage. And Brisbane now, with their biggest lead of the game, 13 points, having kicked five of the previous six goals. And, uh, well, at this stage, uh, i do not interested in your thoughts, Rocket, but I'm starting to think, oh, gee, Collingwood, need to find something because they are in trouble here.
1: Yeah, I didn't think so much in trouble, but thought the momentum was really with Brisbane, especially with Murphy off and the heat. You think about the rotations and, uh, the extra low players would have to, I'd have to carry. But, uh, I think even the Collingwood supporters would have been still confident of the grit and character they've shown for two years and be able to, be able to hang in there. And, um, I think they showed that by half time. but, uh, Certainly Brisbane had the momentum, and what got them there was winning the winning the ball. As you said, Smothers were really good, but pick that full momentum, get it in quickly. They were able to score efficiently. As you said, there was a 50% strike rate of goals, which is a really high strike rate of goals percentage going inside 50. But they got them in there quickly, got them out over the back, um, which obviously Colin would adjust it after half time. But uh, certainly it, it looked like Brisbane at that stage, and if they'd got the next one or two, uh, you no, know, and they go in with a four-goal break at half time, It may have been all over at that stage.
0: Well, it wasn't to be because, not for the first time, uh, there were twists and turns. And we we talk about grand finals being games of moments, and you need big moments and, and players to stand up in them. Um, and a couple did so here for Collingwood. One of them, Jack Crisp. And the more uh, having watched this game now a couple of times, I think Crisp's influence on this game has yeah. been. Yeah, it was quite marked. There's no doubt. Yeah. Well, the uh, first, well, bobbing up in scoreboard terms, uh, took a, well, paid the free kick, I think, 52 metres out for a legal contact and a a beautiful kick of the footy uh, on that just outside 50, which reduced Brisbane's gap back to, or lead back to seven points. Uh, And then Bobby Hill, and uh, in the space of about six minutes, absolutely putting his stamp on this game with his third and fourth goals. The third coming after the the mark of the day, a big hanger uh, over Brandon Starcevic and converting from about 40 metres out. And then uh, the Pies attack again. That levelled the scores. The Pies attack again with about uh, just under two minutes left on the clock. Hill, one-on-one with a bigger, slower opponent, turns onto his right, turns back onto his left and snaps truly four goals in the first half of the grand final and uh, the Pies, six points up. Uh, well, we'll just stop there because uh, I'm interested in your thoughts on Chris. Do you agree with me? He's He's been undersold a bit? Oh, for sure. I think his ability to win, uh, uh,
1: you know, we talk about moments with balls that were 50-50, could have got a bouncing ball. And then his ability to streak away from that contest, uh, I thought it was quite marked. His 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 influence on the game. Um, he had twenty five possessions for the game. I thought their midfield was was a lot stronger than Brisbane's, and and he was part of that. And his ability to go to half back, but he gives them run through the lines and and through the lines. And he with his fitness levels, he's he was able to continue that for the whole game. So I I, I think he was in the best four or five players from Collingwood for the game.
0: And just on that, too, I mean, we, we all speculated pre game about the um, uh, the costliness of Taylor Adams not being there for the Pies, but it needed all the other senior midfielders to stand up. And they all did, didn't they? Oh, they did. And you now the contested
1: balls always or has been an issue for Collingwood. Jr. You know, I think they're about ninth in the competition going into the finals. They beat Melbourne round one, uh, sorry, round one of the finals, the first final, they really targeted. But they ended up even for the day, which I think is a win for Collingwood. Brisbane have been strong at that area, um, and I think they needed to control that. Uh, you know, Brisbane won clearances only by by five or six, but I think the contested possessions led by Mitchell, uh, there was Crisp and Penalty, especially. I thought they were terrific in that area.
0: Well, more late goals in this game, too. So Collingwood now six points up after Hill's fourth goal, but Brisbane hit back again. Um, Lovely kick from McLuggage to a weed from Joe Danaher into the forward pocket. And uh, as you commented earlier, Rocket, Joe Danaher, you know, like some people were wondering, could he rise to the occasion? Well, he certainly did in the grand final. And uh, again, an individual game that, uh, having watched it again, gets better the more I watch it. He, He did stand up in the big moments. This was one of them. Tight angle, but he converted seamlessly with under a minute left on the clock. That levelled the scores. Uh, big quarter for Hugh McLuggage. He only had one touch in the first quarter, but that was his 10th disposal of the second quarter. Six lead changes. This was one of the great quarters of grand final footy rocket, sealed with another big moment for the Pies after the siren. Another goal to Jack Crisp, who was found, and how is this sort a, a of passage uh, or a bit of individual brilliance? Nick Dakos. Um he set up Crisp for that goal uh by with a pass to Will Hoskin Elliott. He two given gets out on the uh member's side Ming, we, yeah, Ming, Ming, yeah, with not much space to work in. He just his capacity to find space in traffic and then spot um an option uh to his side's advantage is remarkable, isn't it? It is
1: um he can do it by hand and by foot. Uh but uh, that was a great bit of play. Changed the angle, uh, found Hoskin Elliott, and then Christopher's run. Right, if you watch the replay, he's run from behind Elliott on that far side to run into the space. He's run a good 60, 80 meters and found the space, and uh, and and the Hoskin Elliott got the ball on quickly onto it. Which if they hadn't, ha- if they didn't have the stand rule, he wouldn't have be able to do that because the guy in the mark would have been able to move across, would have blocked him, would have pushed him back. But uh, that's where the stand rule really does come
0: to the fore. Well, the, yeah. I- like you're saying that, uh, it's a good discussion to have for an, another day because I think the stand rule has been a ripper and has helped us have the, the more attractive footy we've probably seen in the last two years. Speaking of which, uh, so we go to halftime. Collingwood leading by six points, nine goals, nine to nine goals, three. Second quarter, the Pies kicked 5-5 and Brisbane kicked 6-3. 11 goals kicked in that quarter. It is one of the great quarters of grand final footy in my view, Rocket.
1: Yeah, and it shows you too, for all the, uh, I don't know if so say it's not the right phrase, but for people who just love defensive footy and the tough hardness, which we like tough hard footy, but you've made a comment there that one of the best uh, quarters in um, in grand final history with 11 goals. We'd love to see goals. Yeah. And, and they were hard fought. I mean, they were hard fought and they worked hard for them, but... Having goals and some high marks at times is really what fans want to come see. But the closest to the game was was terrific, and anyone it was up for it was up for grabs at halftime. Anyone can win
0: it from there. And you mentioned uh, Collingwood holding their own the contested ball, so they were actually up by uh, five contested uh, possession wins at halftime. The other interesting thing for all our talking about the Brisbane key forwards, um, it wasn't their marking that was. Getting them the goals. It was ground level play that was responsible for most of Brisbane's goals because the mark, uh, the marks inside 50 at half time, six to Collingwood, just one to Brisbane. So scoring from not necessarily typical sources for them.
1: Yeah. So if you're Brisbane going in at half time, if you're looking at those stats, you'd say, well, there's an upside for us. If we can get the ball in with our normal fluency and uh, with the heat, people will slow down. We should be able to get an advantage in the air, um, especially with Murphy out. So, you would say, well, that's an area for Coach Chris Fagan. That's an area you can focus on We'll say, well, listen, we're you know within a goal, and one of our streaks hasn't come before at this stage. So, there's only one for improvement.
0: Well, uh, fantastic first half of the grand final. Certainly, one of the best first halves of a grand final in my living memory. Collingwood leading by six points, nine goals, nine to 9 goals 3. How was this going to pan out? Well let's take a look at it. Well grand final day was hot indeed. Uh, 29 degrees uh, up around for most of it and uh, hottest grand final since 2015 I'm led to believe and you can see it after halftime start to take a toll on all players. Uh, scoring certainly slowed down. Mistakes uh, began to rear their ugly head and, as you'd expect in grand finals, isolated moments and errors and great bits of individual brilliance, all having a huge premium. So scoring became a real issue uh, and mistakes became a real issue. So we had, uh, I've made some fairly comprehensive notes whilst players unfolding a turnover by Eric Hipwood uh, a 50 given away by Jared Berry, the first of, and we'll get to the second one because, boy, that was costly, but a 50 given away to Nick Dacos, unnecessary. Uh, Collingwood also starting to squander some opportunities. Uh, Braden Maynard hit the post. It was a tough chance for him. Uh, but Brisbane was able to actually put some scores on the board It took until nearly the 12-minute mark. But uh McLuggage and speaking of fifties, this one pretty costly for Collingwood. Uh Oleg Markov retreating from the mark to try and get outside the five. But uh the umpire had already said stand, he got pinged fifty metres and McLuggage, uh a really nice kick from him. But uh I gotta say, Rocket, gee, it's a he was stiff, Markov, I reckon that fifty, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I was about to say it's it's really on the board. If you, if you go to the replay,
1: the umpire has called stand. Oh, there's 100,000 people shouting, so it's difficult. And it was right on the right on the edge. One of the fridges wasn't it? He was. And other players do come back. I suppose the umpire hasn't called stand in that stage. But uh, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a little bit unlucky because he to me he got back really quickly. He didn't he didn't stop and then go back.
0: So um, and you know that's why they fell Brisbane's way. I'll just ask you quickly, conceptually, how do you feel about the idea of a twenty-five meter penalty for the more technical infringements? Yeah, not a bad idea. I think,
1: I think you'd have to make it black and white. watch the twenty-five meter for? So yeah. if it's stand rule, um, infringing on the mark, uh, make that twenty-five. For every every other rule, make it fifty. Yeah, yeah. I think that's okay. I think it's <laughs> not too bad because it's a big penalty for what he was probably missed by a meter so it's a it's a tough one.
0: All right, well there's uh food for thought down the track as well. Like I said, isolated moments, isolated errors uh having uh, a big toll. Uh a bit of a clangor from Zorko uh, which turned the footy over, Ginevan uh trying to roll one through for the Pies and hitting the post. Uh and then it was Brisbane who Hit the front with a goal to Devin Robertson. And uh, it was a, a quick, clean bit of play and uh really smart bit of thinking from Joe Danner here, uh, he Rocket. Got the ball in the wing. Um, someone standing right on the mark. Rather than go back, he bounced the ball under the mark. It uh, went to Callum Archie, who then, lovely long kick to Robertson, who had about five metres on his opponent. He marked in the goal square. I think it was Jeremy Howe. His opponent at the time, momentum carried how past Robertson played on, kicked the goal, and uh, that was a seventh lead change. Brisbane now up by three points. But smart bit of thinking from Joe Danaher there.
1: Yeah, and it was a really good mark because it was on Darcy Morris again. He's, he's a, as a full forward, center you know, half forward. He's pushed right up to the wing and taken a really clean mark. I, I was really impressed with his marking during the game, Joe. Uh, but it was a really smart. It was a smart option. He knew that Archie had sprinted into space. Turned around, as you said, kicked it it on the ground, end on the end, so it bounced up nicely for Archie. I thought Archie might have taken the bounce and gone a bit closer to goal, um, but it ended up really, it was a nice kick, nice kick to Robertson, um, and it was a good goal. It was a good
0: goal, so it gives uh, Brisbane back the momentum again. And Collingwood starting to torch some chances. Uh, Mason Cox, fair bit of heat on close to goal. He snapped and missed, and then Bobby Hill took a mark 40 metres out, and... uh, Well, uh, he'd been put four through, but he started to miss a couple now. He missed from 40 metres out. And that made it six behinds for the quarter for the Pies. Uh, Not panic setting in, but uh, certainly uh, I I noticed watching the replay, uh, all the cutting to Pies fans in the crowd, uh, some very, very nervous Collingwood supporters. They've done this stuff before, of course. Um, It needed a cool head a steady head, and it got one. In fact, it got two. And I just mentioned Bobby Hill uh, missing an opportunity, but some smart thinking from him. So Brisbane still uh, to the good, but with under two minutes left on the clock, Hill marked uh, about 30 metres out uh, on a bit of an angle. Unexpectedly goes inside to Scott Pendlebury, That was Hill's fifth mark inside the 50, incidentally. Fantastic forward presence for the Pies. Bit of smart thinking. And then Scotty Pendlebury, uh, well, he won't kick a more important goal than that. Uh, Very coolly threaded it. And that gave the Pies a five-point lead. It also meant uh, that they had kicked seven goals, six to 2-1 by Brisbane in time on of three quarters of a grand final. So their capacity, we talk about their capacity to come back a lot, but their capacity to keep going right to the last second of every quarter, it's just so invaluable for them and proves so again.
1: And I agree. And reading over the last two years is that their new fitness guy came in and it was really about getting a big aerobic base. And then you read the article on Jordan Agoi when he's gone to Bali and He got his personal trainer and spoke again about getting a big aerobic base where the trend previously in the AFL is to train with the balls. So you don't get that big aerobic base like we did in the old days. It was more about you get your fitness training. But I think it's proved factor that their time on and and late in games as well, but certainly time on quarters, their fitness levels is to it. They can still run with great intensity because they've got an enormous base to draw upon. And I think... Uh, now there was a bit of uh, trying to reinvent the wheel. I think with the way we try to get our athletes fit, probably you now five years ago, four years ago. But I think now the wheel turn back the other way. You just need to get a massive fitness base, you know, to be able to perform here as as Collingwood
0: have done over two years, but certainly in finals. Can I ask a perhaps naive question? Not being the fitness guru that you no doubt are and have been over the years, but why can't you train as hard aerobically with the footy? Because you're not going to
1: do heel work. You're not going to do 400 metres. You're not going to run as hard for as long because you've got the balls. So you'll run hard for 30, 40, 50, 80 metres, then you might slow to kick. But just the repeat intensity running that you'll get uh, of aerobic to get a base of anaerobic, it's in like repeat 400s, 200s, whatever that case may be, um, and uh, far leg work and just put that base in um, has to be, yeah. I, th- I, th- I think it's, I think it's you now the way the game's played now, and you're calling on it, we as coaches are calling on it to be quicker and faster and to put pressure on and to go again and to run defensively. And then, like, forwards, he'll get, now he always gets his positions at half back line. It's like Cosby Pickett. But then you're asking them to get back, back inside 50. Like, it takes an enormous, to do that all game, it takes an enormous amount of fitness. And and strength of mind, and um, I think you've got to train that.
0: Oh, online though, isn't it? Because when we see side skills improve, we always talk about, oh, well, they've done, they've worked with the footies more. Of course, you've got to train with footies because that's your. Sort oh, you yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But I, I mean, it's a thing
1: for for both. I've certainly got to, you know you, you know, you get your some fitness up with the balls as well, and the intention go for a long time. But you need an aerobic base now. That makes it a little bit more difficult with. Uh, the Players Association saying that teams can't go back to training until later, the first of December, but I think it showed what go here has matured, what he's prepared to do in his off-season to give himself the best chance to perform. So clubs are going to ask players really to come back in some sort of fitness level so so they give themselves a chance to work with the balls earlier by having that fitness base earlier.
0: Uh, interesting stuff. Uh, three-quarter time comes about and the Pies are leading 10 goals, 15, to Brisbane, 11-5. Uh, the Pies kicking 1-6 in that quarter. Uh, still with a pretty pronounced territorial advantage. Inside 50 count by this stage, 43-32. to 32. Uh, As we've said, holding their own in the contested ball, still on top in contested ball. Uh, clearances. Brisbane only just ahead there. So the Pies midfield really standing up doing the job. Nick Dagos 22 disposals. Mitchell and Crisp, both 17. To this stage, for the Lions, Coleman had had 23 to three quarter time. McLuggage, 17 after a quiet start. Neil and Dunkley, 16 each. So everything to play for. The Pies narrowly in front at the last change of a grand final. Who would we? The 2023 Grand Final. Let's talk about what happened in an epic final quarter. Ah! Last quarter of the 2023 Grand Final. Collingwood leading by four points. What would happen? Well, it was the Pies who scored first. But continuing a trend now of missing opportunities. A snap by Nick Dacos. Touched on the line from the forward pocket. Another point to Bobby Hill, making it 4-2 for him. Uh, By this stage, Collingwood had kicked one goal eight um, since back in the early part of the second quarter. Uh, Great tackle by Hill, though. His defensive work was as good as his uh, four goals, and he nailed Brandon the hapless, fair to say. I think Brandon Stasovic in a tackle and one holding the ball. Then an opportunity missed to Brisbane, Joe Danaher with 13 and a half minutes left on the clock, had the opportunity to bring Brisbane back within one point. He missed slightly to the left, and Collingwood led by six points. At this stage, Brisbane activated their sub. Jared Lyons coming on for Callum Archie. That was with 13 minutes left on the clock. Uh, More missed opportunities to Brisbane. Cam Rainer got nailed for holding the ball trying to bust another tackle rocket a bit like earlier in the game uh an intercept from Kitty Coleman uh, uh that was a kick from Jeremy Howe fair to say a gutsy kick which didn't quite come off went over the head of the intended recipient Coleman picked it up had a chance running in from uh, about 50 but missed that opportunity and so still Hollingwood leading and then Eric Hipwood marking just outside 50 and uh, got the journey easily. No problem with the distance, but again, he missed off to the right from memory with nine minutes, 15 seconds left, Collingwood by four points. Uh, Another point to the Pies meant that they had kicked one goal, nine. And, uh, well, gee, if they were going to lose it from there, it was going to be the classic colleague with grand final loss and so many what ifs uh but we're in the sort of in a state of flux weren't we rocket where uh, everyone's just thinking no idea what's going to win the benches was quite notable the lack of activity coming from the benches sort of like both sets of coaching groups have just gone we've done what we can tactically it's sort of in the in the hands of the gods now
1: yeah what i found interesting on that point was a really hot day and you allowed 75 interchanges. Both teams use 71. I couldn't believe that you don't maximise that on a hot day and get some fresh one at certain times. And there's things they probably could have done in that last... It's like the week before with Jordan Gagowie on the interchange bench for the last nine minutes in a close game. I, I Nothing was really said about that, but that's, that's really poor um, to be able to leave your best players on the bench for so long. But uh, anyway, yeah, there wasn't a lot to do. Um I think you know, some you know, some tactics during the game that Collingwood they're all the new sort of thing but rather than wasn't a match winning move as such, but it was what they did on unlocking Neal to, to minimise his stoppage work. Um, just things like that, rotating to play off like half back with Dakos and Chris and that going through the middle. Um but at that stage, as you said, they kick one nine, Collingwood were have been better side. So they had the momentum that last quarter, they could have put it away, couldn't have got skipped away to a three or four goal lead and that would have been the end of it. But I think the game Heated it out a little bit, and it was a lot more mark kick uh, from team because of the heat and the fatigue factor. Teams just slowed it down to sort of save some energy, um, uh, and then at the right time, Collingwood Ray would pick it up.
0: Which all of which, what you said, made the uh, what's the word I'm looking for denouement of this game even more surprising because you had four goals kicked in the last five and a half minutes of playing time and the first of those was to Charlie Cameron and it put Brisbane in front in the grand final. Great bit of work from Cameron, a, uh, a gather on the boundary, left foot snap after gathering the ball and managing to beat two opponents, Maynard the first one in the initial contest and then stepping around, Quaynor snapping on his left foot from a reasonably close range but uh, that put Brisbane two points in front with 5 minutes 31 seconds remaining and this stage Cameron had had only four kicks for the day but kicked three goals with those four kicks and uh you can't ask a lot more. Actually i just get a word from you Rocket because we, we talked about our doubts, we were both sceptical, we weren't the only ones. Brisbane we thought might be more susceptible to someone having a a Barry Crocker as the the rhyming slang goes. And the three people we were thinking of were Danaher, Cameron, Hipwood. Well, Danaher and Cameron have done their jobs and Hipwood, look, Hipwood wasn't great. I don't think he was terrible. So they actually all stood up, those guys, didn't
1: they? Yeah, Hipwood is a bit disappointing, to be honest. And and Charlie Cameron's had seven possessions, but he's made the most of it. He's got his three goals. His last one was a good goal getting around players, but the other two were out the back uh, with his speed. So I don't necessarily advocate that he stood up. I think it was okay. I thought Danaher stood up. I thought Danaher really played well for the whole game. I think he gave him a real, uh, a real focal point. But Rain didn't do a lot as a forward. Bailey was good early in the first quarter or so, but then we didn't see him. Uh, you have a look at McCarthy. He's a good mark for his size, McCarthy, but he's only had seven positions. He's kicked two. But he's only had to, there wasn't a lot of possession winners in their forward line. Um, so I think that's probably... But they were very efficient once they went inside 50. But uh, I think their biggest issue was that uh, was then midfield. You no, know, they didn't match Collingwood in the midfield at all.
0: And we'll talk about this after we describe the rest of the game. But uh, it's again, the more you look at it and the more you review it and the more you look at the stats, you sort of see Brisbane did well to sort of hang in there and almost pitch it because statistically Collingwood really... Mm-hmm. Sort of yeah. dominated, didn't
1: they? Oh, for sure. Collingwood were probably at least three, probably four or five goals, better side on the day. And it probably would have been a bit of travesty if they'd lost to them. Um, but uh, I think full credit to Brisbane for hanging in there. Now we give credit to Collingwood over a period of time for hanging in there. But I think Brisbane did as well. I mean, Brisbane really could have won the game. And now you know, we'll talk about that advantage, keep not paid, or advantage all paid on um, later. But uh, now that. They certainly wouldn't give them a chance, didn't say they were going to win it, but but they were in there with an with an opportunity, and uh, I think full credit to them as well.
0: All right, well, we talk about the big moments in grand finals, we're about to talk about two of the biggest, because they basically won Collingwood, the game, and the premiership. Now, the first of them, after that Cameron goal, the ball goes back to the middle, and uh, Collingwood reply straight away and regain the lead. Seamless bit of work. Uh, a big clearance win from Scott Pendlebury, and uh, we've got to talk about his last quarter. Um, I think uh, not, it might have been as in nine or 10 disposals. Had, no, he had 11. 11 disposals 11. in that last quarter. Well, uh, his clearance was setting up the goal that regained Collingwood the lead, but another... Incredible bit of work from Nick Dacos, who jumped up to take a high ball and in the same movement before hitting the ground, managed somehow to dish off a handball to Jordan DeGoey, who, as I said before, just a beautiful, beautiful kick of the footy. And he has just absolutely split the centre from 50 metres out with five minutes 10 left in the grand final to regain the lead for his side. I'll tell you what, if you you know, you're dreaming about winning grand finals. That's the sort of stuff you would dream because it was just a um, just absolute textbook bit of uh, of play by the pies from the bounce of the ball to the kicking of the goal. Yeah, for sure. And
1: I, you know, you go back to the other side of the coin. Brisbane just didn't set up. They were they were hit, the, hit the lead, but their their um centre square bounce setup was about all for a win. So they were got offside. They didn't and. Uh, what I was critical about GWS at times during the year, which they rectified, that was all hit or miss. And It seemed to me that they were hit or miss, and they were in front of the game. They should have been a little bit not so much defensive, but cover all angles and make it a bit of a a fight in there. And, don't, and certainly what you don't want is Collingwood to break out of out of the um out of the centre square, which is what happened.
0: I'll just play devil's advocate and say, well, you know, you you can do that, but sometimes it's just where the ball lands. And I, I would have thought, and I'm trying to re-see it in my mind's eye but that ball just fell to Pendlebury for the big clearance and then Nick Dacos standing in the right spot and so is Jordan degoey I mean could, could specifically what do you think Brisbane could have done more to prevent Well it? I think there be more man on man and be goal side so big
1: goal side of Pendlebury I think they were forward side of him so he's got the run when the ball fell that way he was actually his goal side and I think the Brisbane player needed to be the Collingwood attacking side. So they were actually have a contest
0: there rather than
1: him be able to have free reign.
0: Well, that was a mistake of sorts from Brisbane, but uh, a catastrophic mistake. And you don't like in- singling people out, but you can't avoid it in this case. Jared Berry giving away his second 50-metre penalty of the afternoon. Uh, it was after a mark to steal side-bottom. Berry arrived late, took him to ground. It was always going to be 50. It was just so unnecessary. Dumb. It was dumb. It
1: was dumb. And he's, he, and I mean, he didn't play work well at all, Jared Berry. I thought on the wings that, I mean, Josh Dacos didn't have a, a, an unbelievable day, but it was a solid day. Side-bottom, well, I thought, played really well. Uh, but Fletcher and uh, Berry just had bad days. And Berry, it was just a dumb thing to do. It was like... I'm frustrated I'm playing badly, so I've just got to do something. Well, it just just well it you know, no, cost him a game and maybe question mark, did it cost them sorry, cost him a goal, or did it cost him a game?
0: Well, I had a flashback as soon as it happened, which was to I remember Brent Staker for West Coast giving away a fifty in the last couple of minutes of the two thousand and five grand final and that didn't cost West Coast a, a score. But this one did, I mean, Steeles, and then, yeah, look, credit hats off to Steele Sidebottom. I did interview him after the game, actually, and uh, he said there was a bit of a, a breeze behind him, and he sensed that, and he thought, I'm going to have a crack at it, but a beautiful kick, and I think I might have been read somewhere, it was only the, I think, fifth goal he's ever kicked from outside 50, but he just, he got it flush, and it, it carried through with metres to spare, and essentially... The goal of one Collingwood the Premiership. That put Collingwood 10 points up and four minutes 23 seconds left to play. Clutch moments in grand finals don't come any bigger than that, do they?
1: No, that was a breaky. And I thought at the time, I thought I was still going to struggle with this, having been a Collingwood myself. And still is a really good right foot kick, but he's an even better left foot kick, which is non preferred. He's a fantastic, but he's not a long kick, um, but he, he picks good options. And I thought just kicking him from outside 50, but if he, if he's felt that, Breeze, little breeze behind him, and he's he's run on the arc, and uh, you know, he's as you said, he's timed it extremely well. It's a great kick, great kick.
0: Well, Collingwood then proceeded to start running down the clock, and they do that so well. I think most of us thought, well, that's the ball game. In fact, it got to uh under two minutes left to play, with that ten point margin still the case, but Brisbane still with plenty of fight left in them, and. Uh, a good bit of work from uh, Jared Lyons who'd come on as sub on the boundary handball to Hugh McLuggage who uh, a lovely little centre of the ball to somehow an unattended Joe Danaher who uh, good thinking by Joe again yeah, played, awesome. played on and snapped around his body rather than go back and chew up more off the clock and Brisbane all of a sudden back within four points a minute 33 left on the clock and then and uh, I'll set it up and give you your go at this one, Rocket. No doubt this is going to be talked about, discussed, and replayed for, well, the rest of our lives, certainly. Uh, ball went back to the centre. Brisbane wins the clearance. It's inside their 50-metre arc. Uh, Lockie Neal takes the ball and is leaked. The whistle blows. Free kick to Lockie Neal. However, play has continued in the... Uh, Chaos and the loud noise, and Zach Bowie, um, not knowing that the free kick has been paid, or, or basically a free kick not being paid almost until he's in the act of kicking, acts a kick over his shoulder. For some inexplicable reason, the umpire decided not to recall that, given the advantage, which is something that has been going on now for years. And perhaps Brisbane's opportunity to win the game has been lost, and uh, Look, I, I remember saying, uh, as it happened, I said, where's the advantage? And they said it in the commentary, and I've had a look at it a few times since. I cannot, Rocket, argue any case for why the umpire, after he'd realised he shouldn't have paid the advantage, didn't just call it back. They've done it for years now. Why didn't they do it this time?
1: Yeah, I don't know whether, and I think it was Matt Stevic. he was a very experienced umpire, a very good umpire. I don't, I don't know. It was. It was a wrong decision. There's no doubt. It's it's. I thought it's marvellous when you look at it. What your first instantaneous thought is, whether it's a cricket dismissal, whether it's a shot at goal, whether it's a free kick. Just and you and you might be proved wrong by going back to the tape. But my instant thought was, oh, that'll come back. My always just thought, oh, where well, he's even when he's kicked it. He said, oh, well, no, the whistle they won't. There's no advantage. So you can tell there's no advantage because Bailey was facing the wrong way when he received it, and he tried and he had two Collingwood players within three or four meters each side um and he had to kick around his body and he's kicked it up the chimney it just had to go back and an umpire as you said i've seen ones the balls even gone further than that and they've called it back because there's no advantage i mean in the it just it just us belief but there's no guarantee that who it goes back to Near was going to kick a goal yeah he was right on 50 but it still gives them a chance but i mean you could argue about the mark off 50 um Anthony McCluggie's kicks a goal so uh, he's yeah I mean there's swings and roundabouts uh, I think the main stat for me was or the main stats was in you know, the game itself and I think Collinwood would deserve to win um, and uh, yeah we can argue about that but it
0: wasn't paid I and mean, move on No my thoughts exactly I think if you're, yeah, you're looking at how the game panned out which side deserved to win more I, I think on the balance of, of play and opportunity you have to Pretty hard not to say it wasn't the Magpies who uh, who had earned the victory more. They then ran down the clock as they have done so well for so long now. Uh, Brady Meyerczyk taking a mark, chewing up time. He took the ball with about 15 seconds left. Went down the line and uh, I think it was Will hoskin Elliott had basically the last kick uh, smothered but bouncing onto that Collingwood half-forward line as the siren rang. And pandemonium ensued. The Pies victors by four points. The final scores, Collingwood, 12-18-90 to Brisbane, 13-8-86. Four goals to Bobby Hill, two to Crisp, um, and two to DeGoey for Brisbane. The main goal kickers for them, Danaher, three, and Cameron, three. i uh, we'll Talk about the Norman Smith medal, Bobby Hill. Unanimous, all five judges awarding their three votes to Hill. at had 15 votes. Coleman next in the voting with five. Nick Dacos, four. Three to Tom Mitchell. Two to Jack Crisp. One to Scott Pendlebury. You happy with the Norm Smith and, and those place getters in it, Rocket? Yeah, I thought they were the best five player, or best six players. They'd mentioned six there. Um, yeah. Yeah,
1: they were, they were my best six, I thought. Uh, I thought Coleman... He had 20 in the first half I and mean, then six or seven in the second half, so he died out of it. I thought he turned it over. I think he kicked some wobbly ones. Um, certainly at half time you know, he was probably close to the middle, even though uh, he'll had uh, four by that stage. But he'll had eight score involvements. He set the his goal up. His tackling uh, was very good today. He was alive. As you said, he took three or four marks inside 50 as well. So, yeah, I, I think he was a worthy, to win it, uh, a worthy winner. I thought Mitchell did a really good job. He had 13 tackles, Tom Mitchell, and 24 possessions. Dacos, 29, Chris, 25, Penry 24. If you have a look at the last quarter for those four players, Mitchell's had seven, Dacos, seven, Chris, eight, and Penry 11. Wow. So so, uh, so they've only, only went by four points, but all those four players stood up big time in the last quarter. And it was a real credit to Josh, uh, to Nick Dacos, to be out for so long, six weeks, and then still have the run in the last quarter to be able to get seven possessions. Um, and I think that's where they won it was their ability to continue to run. Uh, they had a lot better midfield. To go, he had a solid game. Picked a couple side bottom. I thought had a really good game. He had twenty. Um, so they, I think across the board, they they looked a more dangerous side. Um, but they were certainly the best six players. I think Coleman was the best player for Brisbane. Then I reckon it was Danaher. Um, I reckon Danaher was. I thought he played really well. And the plug is just good after quarter time. Dunkley was solid, did a reasonable job. Neil was okay, but but there wasn't a lot of others. I thought there was a lot more disappointing players for Brisbane than there was for Collingwood.
0: Yeah, well, I was thinking about that afterwards. I was thinking if you're talking about where to from here, Collingwood's experience really counted for plenty in the finish, didn't it? Because most of the underperformers for Brisbane tended to be the younger players. Yeah, they did. I mean, I mean, Rainer had a
1: had a. A, a, a down game Berry had a down game Fletcher down game Archie didn't see much he got subbed out Wilmot didn't do a lot Hipwood's only had 10 possessions. um starts a tried out he didn't go into hill till later but uh, there's one stage he was on Leicester and he pushed Leicester out of the way to take that mark. he was really a really bigger player um but I don't Zorko said 17 but he kicked three out four and made a couple of cleaners as well so they now their, now, their turnovers, they were 60-49, to 49, so Brisbane had 11 more turnovers in their game, and that's where they lost the game. I know that they were as efficient uh, with the ball, um, except for goals, uh, shots and goal, but in general play, I think uh, they made a few more mistakes. They fumbled a little bit more. Collingwood were the better side.
0: Well, uh, just some notable things out of a, a, a famous win. Collingwood's first uh, grand final win in September <laughs> since 1958, because both... Uh, 1990 came after a qualifying final draw. So that meant the the grand final uh, was won in October. And 2010, of course, a grand final draw in September. They didn't win that one until October. So first September grand final win for the Pies since 1958. Their amazing ability in the close ones rocket. That was their third finals. The, the Congress three finals wins came by a total of 12 points. Uh, That was their closest win, narrowest win in a grand final since 1903. Uh, Collingwood, over the last two seasons, uh, this is off the top, but I wrote it. Uh, Collingwood, over the last two seasons, have been involved in 21 games decided by single-figure margins. They've won 17 of them. So that is no fluke. Their capacity to control the footy in the crisis is quite remarkable, isn't it? It is, and
1: I think stay in the moment mentally. So obviously train that, but also quite a few of those seventeen that have come from behind, they haven't had to be in front and hang on like they've done at the GWS and in, in Brisbane the last two games. Uh, they've they've come on and kicked the last. They're, they're the ones that kicked the last goal to get in front, and they've done that nearly on the siren quite a few times. So they've had a great mental capacity to stay in the moment and not get phased by it
0: just another observation on how good uh you know no doubt one of the great grand finals in fact i'll ask you I, I i love ranking things for me 2012 is the best grand final i've seen uh it had three comebacks it had amazing bursts of footy, had great individual efforts wasn't decided until the last 40 seconds that for me remains number 1 2018 Pretty close, Collingwood coming the wrong end, but this would be right up there for me. How, how good a grand final have we just seen? Do you think? Oh um, yeah, it was certainly, certainly on the podium, there's no doubt. Uh, how far do you go back? The eighty
1: nine was a pretty good grand final, not, not, bad. not like bad. One, uh, the bad one, not the bad, it's a long one. The Hawthorn, Geelong, yeah, um, um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think out of those that you mentioned, um, I. I put it in front of those two I, I, I'd say it was a better grandfather I'd say yeah. it's probably the best end of those
0: three okay of course the the one people don't talk about because it's too far back and even I'm not old enough to have been at this one I've been to everyone since 1973 but for me if you're talking about ones you haven't been at 1970 is still the mm-hmm. benchmark for me Uh Collingwood Carlton all time record comeback in that era just incredible Collingwood leading by 44 points Carlton win Record crowd, 121,000, fantastic footy, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So we can debate these things to the cows, come I? But yeah, uh, right. this one, definitely in the top few, I think that's almost... Yeah, I think it was the closeness all day. It wasn't like
1: some team, one team got out by six goals and the other team came back and then, and then there was another break. It was really goal for goal. There was a spate of goals, but it was, there was no bigger margin than, I think, 13 points. They so, say two goals from either side, so... To, to actually stay within that range and and right up to the end was a uh, was just fantastic to see.
0: At just a um, how good a final series have we seen? Nine finals played, five of the nine finals were decided by a total of twenty points, and three of the other four were decided by four goals or less. So there's only eight of nine finals were decided by twenty four points or less. Just we've never seen a final series like it. No, no, it was a great final season. I think it showed, shouldn't
1: you, you know, we spoke a few bit on the about how even the competition is. And we, you know, there was no real clear favourite of each of the games, really, when we went through that. And you can make a case for any of the teams when, um, when they played their final. So, it's real, you know, it's a real credit to the competition. And uh, hopefully that uh, with the rules of drafting and trading and all that, we
0: can, keep it, uh, we can keep it even again next year when we have the same sort of season. A quick word from you on the future for these two sides. Now, Collingwood, those previous two premierships we're talking about in the modern era, they haven't been able to sustain to go on with it and land another one. Is this a club now with a mentality more suited to ongoing success? I believe it is. Brisbane, it's been a gradual build. They've knocked on the door. They've now been to the grand final. I think there's every chance that they use this as motivational fuel and go on and win one in the next couple of years. How do you see the future for the T-Club? I see. I,
1: yeah, I agree on both points. So I think Collingwood has got a few older players and Penderby proved his worth. So him and Sidewater go around again. House thirty two, thirty three. 32, 33. Mitchell was his second. That had a few players that played Grand finals before. Mitchell was one uh, with Sydney. So um Dacos is only going to get better. Chris was still young. Um... So except for those two or three players I mentioned, that I think they'll be on the lookout again to, like Frampton did a reasonable job in the role he played, but that as a recruit was a good recruit for depth. They didn't recruit him to, and he was used for 15 games. So they'll look at holes in their list or what they need to improve and get better. So how they would do that with the trade situation, I'm not too sure. Brisbane, I think. Uh, thereabouts. Now, they've got better each year. They've improved with Dunkley. Gunston didn't play, so whether he's got anything left in him uh, to come back in, his experience may have helped them, actually, the way they where they played. But they'll some of the players will, will be better for playing in a grand final, the ones we mentioned before who didn't play great games. and They'll learn from that. Um, hopefully, that drives them. And that generally does. It does drive you want to get back there again and be able to win one. So I don't think there's many old players. Zorko's probably the oldest um he wants to go around again but i don't think he's a key player i think he'll muck maybe in and out of the side next year um but they'll need to i think it was police and chris fagan just kept introducing young players fletcher didn't do a lot ashcroft got injured um but he's prepared to play younger players so coleman obviously played as a young player and and has developed really nicely so mckenna was a good player for him didn't do a lot of the weekend but i think they'll identify some. Uh, some areas that they can improve again. Uh, but I think they'll be thereabouts. I, I think they'll be top four. I think Collingwood will be top four again as well.
0: Yeah, same here. Best uh, best two sides of this year and every chance they could be the best two sides next year as well. Beautifully summed up. And uh, there it is, our grand final review. And uh, there it is for the podcast. A couple of quick uh, thank yous. Uh really want to say thanks to all the guys at uh, ESPN for their support stuart randall uh matt walsh jake michaels and jared barker uh specifically uh been fantastic guys so thanks very much for helping us uh produce this podcast every week um thank you to everyone for tuning in the feedback continues to be great this is the seventh year of this podcast love doing it and uh hopefully we can keep doing it and and Especially big thank you to you, Mr. Rodney Ede, because uh, I've loved doing this with you every week. And in all seriousness, I think you know people really appreciate and respect your undoubted knowledge of the game and your take on things. And uh, probably most significantly, your capacity to put up with my never-ending string of dad <laughs> jokes. Um, well, no, no fidget shit. over half are pretty good. And we we got through to we got through today without Frampton coming alive and no We Willem Drew, um, but I'm and, sure there's and there was no mention about uh, about Fantasia's
1: uh, injury shortcomings as well.
0: Poor he will be scarred for life. Uh, no, look, I can't thank you enough, but. Very much value your input, so uh, I hope you've had fun. And uh, on behalf of all the audience, uh, thanks for what you do. It's much appreciated.
1: No, thanks, Ron. Thanks for inviting me on. I hope everyone enjoyed it. It was a great season, and uh, hopefully uh, hopefully, we covered uh, what
0: people wanted to hear with a bit of frivolity at the right time. So <laughs> I appreciate it. Thanks for inviting me, Ron. Appreciate yeah. it. Well, let's do it all again in 2024. Um, that's it for us. Thanks, everyone. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, have a great off-season. Stay safe. Stay happy and uh, we'll see you again next year.